edition of the Denver Post's On the Rocks podcast. I'm Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer. Uh, we have a good show for you today. Uh, the first segment, my colleague Nick Groke and I discussed the national perspective on the Rockies. Uh, what is the national media saying about our hot Rockies? In particular, we discuss what Tony Kornheiser, the co-host of Pardon the Interruption on ESPN, we discussed what Tony had to say about the Rockies. It wasn't very complimentary. Tony essentially called them high-altitude frauds. Nick and I discussed that, and in general talk about what the perception is about the Rockies. Are they real, or are they a fraud? In the second segment, Nick and I break down the Rockies' bullpen, which has really been scuffling lately. Uh, we both contend that if the Rockies want to stay in the race and win the National League West, that they're going to have to do something about the bullpen. So is that help coming from outside? or is it coming from inside? In other words, will the Rockies move a starting pitcher into the bullpen as the season goes on? And the third segment's my favorite. I sat down with Rockies all-star second baseman, DJ LeMayhew, one of my favorite players. DJ is often referred to as soft-spoken, and he's soft-spoken in my segment of this podcast. Uh, but DJ has some fun things to say, and I particularly like how DJ describes his relationship with his good friend, Charlie Blackman, the Rockies all-star center fielder. So please stick around and join us for the latest edition of the On The Rocks podcast. For the Denver Post, I'm Patrick Saunders. And welcome back to the latest edition of the Denver Post's On The Rocks podcast. I'm Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer, along with my colleague, Nick Nichols-Groke. Hello, Nichols. Hello, Sandy. <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, it's, let's start off by just saying this has been a, a great ride so far. That's fun. I mean, the, you were covering the game last night. Um, Nolan comes through again, triple off the right field scoreboard to beat the Diamondbacks and Zach Greinke to maintain the Rockies lead in the NL West. I mean, it, it's it's been a really it's been a kick, hasn't it? When you got the Sunday game, right? The league changed like three times in right. five minutes or whatever it was, and. Uh, so people always ask, like, are those games more fun? Hey, they are more fun, yes. I mean, just, I mean, if they're fun games, they're fun for us. But, you know, we don't root for teams. We do root for stories. Correct. I root for stories all the time. And so even though I'm at, I guess it's a question, but even though <laughs> you had to probably tear up your story. Oh, God, time, help me. It ended up an awesome story. Yeah, it right? was, it was. But, you know, we've talked about this and last year was worse, though, because yeah. last year, how many games did we go in the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, the Rockies winning or something, and just completely had to shift gears because the bullpen blew it. And we'll actually be talking about the bullpen in our next segment. But this segment, Nick, I want to talk about something. I don't know if I should care as much as I do, but I know a lot of Rockies fans care, and that is the national perspective on this team. Uh, they're getting a lot of love these days, a lot of attention. Uh, the uh, MLB Network has has been showcasing them a lot lately. They've had some national media do profiles, and I know Charlie Blackman's been on ESPN a couple of times. But there's a segment out there that do not believe the Rockies have any chance to beat the Dodgers in the NL West and, have, and believe the Rockies are going to collapse sooner or later. And I want to read you something from Tony Kornheiser, 
longtime Washington Post sports writer, terrific writer, and he's on Pardon the Interruption with Michael Wilbon. I think it's a, one of the better shows of its type on the air. However, I don't know if you've heard this quote yet, but this is from, uh, this is from, um, help me out, uh, not Wilbon, uh, Kornheiser. Kornheiser, thank you, duh. And this is what he said the other day. He said, ever since I saw them in the 2007 World Series, when they went down for love to Boston, I have this prejudice against them, meaning the Rockies. They're a fraud team. They're a fraud team propped up by altitude. All right? That was on Twitter today, all over the place. I'm curious, what do you think of that? A national guy who's got a huge audience basically calling the Rockies a fraud. Well, it's, I mean, I don't care if he called them fraud. I mean, and, I, and I don't watch the show. Um, I'm doing better things. <laughs> but, uh, but, I mean, he's re- like, if we have to break it down, his reasoning's pretty lax. I mean, he's... Ten years ago. Ten, that's ten years ago. Now, uh, let me let me help him make his argument for him. Okay. Um, like if he, he's, I, I I think they still film that show in Washington. I have no idea, but I let's presume so. Okay. Let's presume his 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 uh, you know in on the baseball season is through the Nationals, right? Who are one of, if not the best team in the National. League. Right. They're, right now, I think they're one of. Them. I don't think they're the best, but the Nationals were really good against the Rockies earlier this season. They were clearly a better team at that point. Now, if you're basing now, if he wanted to base his opinion on, on that series, that would be a reasoning because that happened this season. <laughs> that is this team. Um, that you, you know, I mean, you can make that connection. It would still be thin, but it would be a little bit better argument than I once saw them in 2007 and I have ever forever thought they were a fraud team. And, I, I mean, it's, it's really thin. Um, a bigger thing here, though, um, I, Rockies fans are have have been like this for a long time. Why do you care? Why do I you know. Care? Like it's a little bit of an inferiority complex. It's an inferiority yeah. Thing. But again, I'm I don't really care to uh, defend Tony. this person's opinion. But like, in sort of in his defense, they have never won their division. Right. So why would he think? What also? Why would he think that? this team could be any different. Well, I mean, there are reasons to think that this team's different. They're playing very well right now. Well, let, let me throw my two cents in. This is what bothers me uh, about some of the national media, particularly those from the East Coast who rarely ever watch a Rockies game, don't really read much about them, they don't do their homework. Uh, if Tony Kornheiser and some of the others who don't believe in this team, that's great, I understand that. But if they did any research at all, they'd realize that the Rockies have the best winning road record in all of the National League, second in baseball. That has nothing to do with altitude. Uh, Their overall ERA is third in the National League behind only the D-backs and the Dodgers. That's unusual. So that is not like the 2007 Rocktober miracle. They have some players, Nolan Arenado leading it off, who have excelled both at home and on the road. They have Greg Holland, who at this point if he's not the best close in the National League, he's one of the two or three best. They have a manager in Bud Black who, by all accounts, is on track to win manager of the year right now. So my point is people can talk whatever they want, and I'm sure the, the players don't care. I did talk to one today. <clears throat> I don't want to use his name. He's, I told him the quote. He rolled his eyes, and he said, I hate that word fraud. 
right? If you don't believe in us, you don't think we're a good team, but don't call us a fraud, yeah. right? Yeah. So that that kind of thing, it's that kind of East Coast. I mean, here, here's my bias coming through. It's that kind of East Coast. Nothing happens in the sport of baseball between uh, basically west of Philadelphia until you get to the West Coast and get to the Giants and the Dodgers, right? It's this vast, well, maybe St. Louis is a pit stop. Anyway, that's my rant there. But um, let me ask you, do you think at this stage from what you've seen, do the Rockies have what it takes to stay in this race in to win their first ever division title? I'm not asking you to say if they will win it, but do they have what it takes to stay in it through the long haul? Well, let me back into the answer. Okay. Uh, you like to do that. I that, do that. Yeah. yeah. I start on the outside and okay. I swirl on the, okay. into the middle. Uh, there are four good teams in the National League. They are so much better than the rest of the muck in the NL that the Rockies could, I think at this point, essentially play below 500 the rest of the year. And, and they'd probably and make the wild probably, card. Probably go to the postseason. I mean, they are so far ahead of everybody else. The, the Cardinals are doing nothing. The Cubs are still struggling. They'll probably figure it out at some point. You know, how many teams have just fallen completely off the table entirely? The Mets. So who are your four teams? Nationals, Dodgers, Rockies, and Diamondbacks. What now, about the Brewers? They're not bad. Okay. Uh, I'm just curious. They're not bad. I mean, they'll, they'll, And you they, think the Cubs are going to come around? I think the Cubs will come around at some point. But, the, but the, I mean, the Rockies, they're so, they're so far ahead of schedule that they're, I mean, they're, in, they're already in very good position. Now, the division is a different question. Yes. Because this is a dog fight. Like, yes, it already. is. Already. And it is, it is, it will be extremely difficult. And I've heard people say that it's not important for them to win a division. I disagree. The teams never won a division. I think it's, it would be an enormous step for them as a club, as a franchise, to win a division. And I, I really, I really would object if at some point in the season they take it easy, looking toward the playoffs, to sacrifice a division. That would, that would upset me a little bit. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, the other thing is, if you're a wild card team, you know, if you're in danger of being a one and done in the playoffs, that's right. not what this team is all about. No, so. right. And now, now at this point, I mean, ranking the ranking the four teams. I mean, man, the Dodgers are good. I mean, the Dodgers. I got to admit, good. I'd probably put the Dodgers number one. I would have said the Nationals like two weeks ago. But their, their bullpen's bullpen terrible. Yeah, it is. I mean, that, that's a great lineup, but even, I mean, they lost out of Eaton. Yeah. Um, they're going to have to deal with some issues, but, I mean, the, the Rockies are right up there. I agree. I uh, agree. I don't know if I would say that they're the, the best team in the NL right now, but they're right there. They're I agree. Awesome down the Which is, leads us into our next segment where we're going to talk about the Rockies' bullpen, the state of it now, the state of what it might need to be for them to win the NL West, and we'll give you some insights as to what Bud Black said today um, about the Rockies' bullpen. So stick with us. We'll be back for another segment of the Denver Post's On the Rocks podcast. I'm Patrick Saunders along with my colleague Nick Crow. And welcome back to our second segment of the Denver Post's On the Rocks podcast. I'm Patrick Saunders, along with my colleague Nick Groke. We're covering the Rockies all season for you. Uh, And as promised in the last segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the Rockies' bullpen. Uh, And we're not talking about Greg Holland as the super closer he's been. We're talking about some of the ups and downs this bullpen has had lately. Um, Nick, you covered the game last night. 
when the Rockies did beat the Diamondbacks. Um, I was at the game as a fan, but I was a little disconcerted to see that both uh, Adam Adovino and before him Chris Russon uh, gave up solo homers, albeit to, to good players, including Paul Goldschmidt. But we've seen, as, Bo as Buddy Black said today, pregame to the Rockies, some body blows yeah. to the bullpen. And Mike Dunn certainly nothing like he was back in April. So the question now is, I, I offer it to you, what do you think the state of the bullpen is right now? And what must the Rockies do to correct it if they need that? We, we are seeing the ultimate difficulty that will forever be the biggest problem with this team for their entire history. When you, when you have a long home stand and they twice played games against the Giants last week where they had to go to the bullpen early, they had to use a bunch of arms from the bullpen, um, and now what are we, like five days later, four days later, it's still a problem because they're struggling to find pitchers who are even available to pitch. Um, it's really hard. It makes a, a long home stand of course field really difficult. Um, the only way around it is to just have just numbers, just throw just a quantity of pitchers who you can cycle in and out. And they don't necessarily have a quantity. I still think that their bullpen, as it sits, is a good Right now, at this very moment, they're not in great shape. But they, they are still a very good bullpen, at least compared to previous seasons. Okay. But um, in moments like this, they, they are thin, too thin to be able to call on other guys. As you've seen, all they, the only call they made basically all year is Carlos Estevez. He's just cycling in and out whenever they need him. I think he's been up four different times, I believe. I if think he, it's four now. Yeah. yeah, if you count, I think he was on the opening day roster. So if you count it, I think it's four times. Yeah, so if one more, you know, Chad Qualls right now is injured. If, you know, like God forbid, if they lost Chris Russell tomorrow, who are they even going to turn to? Like after that, um, they're they're pretty thin. They need, they need, though, this is nothing, though, that two consecutive seven-inning outings from a starter won't solve. Like, you can solve it pretty quickly. You really have to get length from your starters. But the problem is, and I'm not knocking the starters, they've been outstanding, the rookies, more often than not we're seeing six innings, six. not seven. Right. And I think that's put this team in a little bit of a bind. It's not, it's not, it's okay. You can deal with six innings. Well, the Royals did it the year they won the World Series. Until you get a four-inning outing, or right. two of them in a row, in a long home set, of course, Phil, and then you're totally sideways. I mean, you really walk a tightrope. So, I mean, they need to get... I mean, off days help. They, they didn't play on Monday. That helped them get a little bit back. At least they made Greg Holland available last night um, after he pitched. He pitched three days in a row right. against the Giants. And his last outing was a long ninth inning. He was like a 21 pitch out in ninth inning for a guy coming off Tommy John. Like, yeah. They took him to the brink. And it worked. They won that game. They swept the Giants. But at what cost? Now we're seeing the cost now in, this, in the next series against the Diamondbacks. They'll be okay. I mean, I see a way out of it. Okay, before we get to the solutions, let me ask you, and let's do this quickly. I'm going to throw out the name of the reliever. You tell me where you think they're at, uh, what you think they're going to be able to contribute, okay? Let's start with Jake McGee, the lefty, who's actually had to close a couple of games uh, in place of, of Greg Holland. Where do you think he is and how reliable is he? He, he is their backup closer. And... Uh, I would say at the moment, 
he's the second best arm in their bullpen. I would agree with it's, you. It's Chris Russell's been very, very good. His his raw numbers are right up there with Greg Holland. Um, but he's a long guy, and when he has to pitch multiple innings, uh, multiple times in a series, then he gets kind of frayed, um, which we've seen a little bit lately. He gave up that. I mean, you give up. Paul Goldschmidt's a really good. No, guy. I agree with like that. He, I'm not going to knock Chris Russell for giving up a home run yeah. like that. All right, let's go to uh, let's go to the Adam Ottavino who. Very popular with the fans uh, for a variety of reasons. He's got that wipeout slider, but he has been, it's been a roller coaster for him. I mean, he went on the DL with some shoulder inflammation. Uh, he's been great, I and mean, he's been bad. What do you think? Where is he now? And I would make him number four right now behind Holland, McGee, and Russell. Miles, and then Ottavino. He's still trying to figure it out. Like, you know, he started early on in the season, we talked about it. He'll, he'll come into a game and he can't locate any pitch, and then all of a sudden, boom, he's located. It's everything. that release point that he's he can't quite find this year. Yeah, but when he when he does when he does find it, he's old Ottavino. I'm not too concerned about him, but he it's dragging out a little bit longer than I maybe suspected it might. Um, he still has great stuff, raw stuff, and when he's using all three sliders along with a fastball that he can elevate. Right. I mean, that's really, really difficult. He, I mean, he still has, to me, potential closing stuff. He just doesn't have it right now. So I, I would make him number four. And then after that, of course, you, you fill it out when you've got, you've got Scott Oberg, who's been okay, not great. You've got Jordan Lyles, who's been, let's face it, for the most part, has been a disaster. And Chad Qualls is basically an arm. He's been okay, but he's just an arm. Right. So the question now is the trade deadline is at the end of July. So we're guessing the Rockies and a number of teams, including the Dodgers, including the Diamondbacks, certainly the Nationals. Yeah. There's going to be some products out there for rental or for, for long-term trade to help pop, prop up the bullpen, okay? So that's one solution. But let's focus on, for this podcast, let's focus on a possible in-house solution. If you were going to go in-house because the Rockies have a number of starting pitchers right now, young starters. What would you do in-house to prop up the bullpen? Well, this this is not the worst problem ever. No, it's uh, a good problem to have. they're not looking for a closer. Right. As uh, Buddy Black would say, isn't that great? Isn't that great? <laughs> they're, uh, they're not even looking for a number two, I don't think. I right. mean, and probably not a number three. So that leaves them a lot. They're really looking for someone, to me, to help Chris Russin. Hold down the sixth and seventh innings. Somebody who can pitch multiple innings. And right. To me, that screams for them to move a starter into the bullpen. And that would be? To me right now, I, I think that's – I mean, to me, it's Antonio Sensatella. Um, in part because he did not pitch very many innings last year, and I think that he's going to hit a ceiling at some point this year. It just in, – in number of pitches and number of innings, he's going to hit a season. I think he'll hit a season. In other words, he has never faced a full major league season. He's just double A last year, right? right? 34 whatever innings pitched. 200 innings would be an enormous jump. Yeah. Um, Even 180 would be quite a few for him. I think so. He's, al- I mean, he's already well past twice as many innings he threw last year. Um, and also, I mean, he's pitching really well. Uh, this is not a knock necessarily, but he's really getting by with two pitches. Fastball slider. A fastball and a slider. Um, when hitters, when good hitters, especially in a pennant race or, or a divisional race, especially teams that you face a lot, like the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, they can f- find – they're good hitters. They're in the major leagues for a reason. They figure out your patterns. And if you're relying on only two pitches, 
it's a much easier pattern to decipher. Um, but yeah, but some, but some bullpen guys, a lot of bullpen guys get by with just two pitches. That's what I mean. I think he, he would be much better Oh, okay. I right see now. your point. As okay. As a starter, I think he might start to So his. second, third time through the order, and as the season goes on, you think teams start to figure him he, out? He's, he's completely proving me wrong so far. I mean, he has not shown that so far. Okay. He's stayed, he stayed above. He's, he's pitching really well. He has not shown a sign of decline. It just seems like the possibility for a regression at some point because of his raw, what, what he brings to the table in a raw way. Two pitches, not a lot of innings last year, et cetera. To me, that, mean, that, to me, that sounds like a relief pitcher in the making. I'm not permanently. I'm not saying like he right. goes no, away, I get but he never comes out. But when you, they have, they're, they're going to need to make room for John Gray and Tyler Anderson and possibly Chad Bettis at some point, um, although I think he would be really well suited for the bullpen this season. As well. Interesting. But if you have all these dudes, put some in the bullpen. Well, here's my take on it. Instead of Sensatel, I'd go with Marquez. I think Marquez in a relief role, even a late seventh, eighth role if you needed him, with that curveball that he has, uh, my take on it is he could be a nails kind of guy to throw in there and really shut down an inning. Uh, I think both of them have the mentality to be able to do it. Uh, I, I just, I, I really like Sensatella. As a starter, I just, I just, he's that big-bodied, hard-throwing, tough-minded guy, and I like Mar- Marquez too. I just look at him. I don't know that curveball and the way he sets hitters up. I just like that as a sprinter, as opposed to. I mean, I'm, I think he's a starter too, but I like him in that position. Yeah. And then you talked about Gray, and we talked about Tyler Anderson. Uh, right now, I don't see John Gray as a relief type. Oh. Uh, Tyler Anderson certainly doesn't have firepower, your typical reliever, but I could see Tyler Anderson filling a long-term or a long-inning role in the bullpen and maybe make Russin more of a short-term guy. Now, That's a possible solution. Bud Black is not, not given any hints about what is going into their decision, but we can. there is a hint. I mean, to, to back up your Marquez idea, that's where he started this season. Exactly. He started the season in the bullpen, so they already have it at least at one point in the season, in their heads that he was better for the bullpen. They chose Antonio Senzatella and Kyle Freeland coming off spring training. They made that decision already. Has it changed in three months? I don't know. Maybe. We'll I mean, see. We'll see. But uh, that is at least some evidence to support the idea of putting Marquez back in. You know, and we will talk more about this, about the possibility of any trades, be it for a starting pitcher, which I, I don't necessarily think they need right now. Um, they have good depth. I think they have decent quality. Uh, is it for another bat off the bench? I don't think so. I think they would target Jeff Breidich and company would probably target a bullpen guy. We'll see. And we'll throw out some of those names as they become clear. But uh, that's our look at, for right now, the Rockies bullpen situation. Um, in our next segment, I sit down with uh, the quiet man, DJ LeMayhew, the Rockies all-star second baseman. And uh, DJ's terrific. He, yes, he he's he's quiet he's soft-spoken but he's got some opinions and he's fun to sit down and talk to i love his approach to baseball and he gives some neat neat insights about his special relationship with uh, center fielder charlie blackman so that's the next segment of our on the rocks podcast for nick groke i'm patrick saunders please join us for our next segment Welcome back to the latest On the Rocks podcast. I'm Patrick Saunders, Rockies beat writer. 
for the Denver Post. My guest today is Rockies All-Star Second Baseman, DJ LeMayhew. DJ, thanks, man, for doing this. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the first things everybody says about you, and I know, I think you probably know what I'm going to say, is DJ LeMayhew, soft-spoken second <laughs> baseman for the Rockies. You've always given me really good interviews and good info, but you're not a guy who goes after media attention, the spotlight. You are kind of soft-spoken. Is that by design, or is that just your personality? Uh, I'd probably say it's more my personality. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's just my personality. That's just how I am. That's how I am with my friends, my family, everything. But I think it's interesting to get to this level, the inner fire, the inner competitiveness that you have to have burn, has to burn really hot. Underneath your demeanor out there, as opposed to, say, Nolan, who expresses himself a lot, Nolan Arnato, you keep a fairly cool demeanor. Occasionally we see it pop out. But you're a very competitive guy, aren't you? Can you just describe for me, I mean, how intensely competitive are you underneath the surface? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I've always prided myself on, on being competitive and... Um, you know, uh, I don't. Th I don't think. I don't think you can be a good player in this game unless you are really competitive. And um, but uh, yeah, it's that's. I mean, a lot of people see me as you know calm, cool, uh, mostly collected. But uh, <laughs> mostly collected. <laughs> but uh, no, there's. I, I definitely pride myself on being extremely competitive. I want to ask you. I don't think I've ever asked you this. To me, one of your patented plays when you're in uh, at second base, but sometimes you're shading it or to the to uh, to right field that play you make when you go down on the grass you slide you get the ball it seems so natural to you it, did it take you a long time to perfect that to learn it or have you always been able to kind of incorporate that skill into your play at second base um i think it's something i've gotten better at uh i mean that is, I mean, when I come back to the dugout, they're like, oh, there's another sliding play to the left. That's that's your play. Um, but it is cool to watch. I mean, it's very yeah. seamless. It's. I, I think for me, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking the other day, for to be a tall, you know, second baseman, middle infielder, I think for me, like, I have to really stay low to the ground and, and I have to make those plays because if I'm trying to reach for it, being as tall as I am, I think – there's more room for the ball to kick up or whatever. So I think it's just natural for me to just try to get down there with the ball and, and, and try <laughs> try and make the play. Well, it's fun to watch. Uh, we mentioned Nolan a moment ago, and as we're recording this, he's coming off a triple last night, a walk-off cycle home run on Sunday. Uh, in your mind, DJ, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, should he be in consideration as not only one of the MVP candidates for this year, but as one of the best players in the game right now. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, he has been the last couple of years, and, and um, you know, moments like the last couple of days obviously confirm that. And uh, not only a good player defensively, offensively, but, you know, steps up in, in those big situations. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to be a part of, a lot, a lot of fun to watch him play. When we're on the road, I don't have the access here at Coors that I do and sometimes in the visiting clubhouses. One of the things I always see is you and your good friend Charlie Blackman and Nolan, the three of you in particular, just sitting at the, at the laptop, at the computer, just analyzing a lot. Have you increased that in the last, I don't know, two, three, four years to where it's become just this huge part of your preparation? 
Or has that always uh, been a big deal for you guys? No, I, it's for me for sure. Um, I didn't have video in the minors. Um, and then the and once I got to the big leagues, I really didn't know how to use it. Uh, so I guess the more I've played, the more I've you know tried to utilize it. Um, you know, Charlie does a great job with with uh, you know looking at film on on you know pickoffs, uh, stealing bases. Uh, he's always got the stopwatch out there. Um, and I think for me, you know, just watching the pitcher, and sometimes when you're, when I'm not feeling good, sometimes I just need to watch like I just need to watch a lot of hits, right? And, and get get my mind right. And, um, but yeah, like you said, it's something that I've definitely utilized more and more uh, as I've played longer. You guys are starting to get a lot of national love from the media. Um, you guys may not care one way or another, uh, which is it's cool. I think for Rockies fans to see recognition from the East Coast media, ESPN, whoever. But there's also some people out there who don't believe in you guys at all. They're saying the Dodgers hands down in this division. You guys believe you have a shot to be, to win this division and make this more than just through June, make it a really important special season. You guys believe, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's we're nearing the end of June here and, and we got one of the rest, best records in baseball. And, um, you know, it's, for me, it's just been our pitching has been, been so good, uh, really carried us. and. Um, we just have so much depth there, and um, you know, I, I mean, with our offense, with our defense, um, pitching the way it is, um, I don't expect us to fall off anytime soon. In fact, we might even get better. And um, you know, what, what the Dodgers and what the Diamondbacks are doing, uh, you know, it's fun to watch them. But I think we have a belief in here, a confidence that uh, you know we're we're uh, you know one of the best teams in the league. One more question for you, and we'll, we'll let you go. You and Charlie are very close. Uh, I think most Rockies fans who pay attention know that. You're now off-season homes back in Michigan, I believe. Charlie's back in Georgia, so you didn't have quite the camaraderie you've had before. But real quickly, DJ, can you just tell me how special, how close, and what a good friend friendship the two of you have? Because I think it's pretty fun to, to see you guys interact. Yeah, uh, you know, we have different personalities. Really? Uh, <laughs> we... Uh, do a lot of th- I mean Charlie loves outdoors loves fishing you know I'm, I'm more you know just hang out with the family low-key um, but really working out with him in Atlanta for the last three four years we've uh, become really close and um, you know we talk baseball but we're just good friends off the field too and um, you know I, I think I think the best part of it is we root for each other so hard um, you know all the success Charlie has I'm, I'm just so happy for him and I, th- I think that's likewise so um, it's, it's, I mean, we've been playing together since 2012, you know, pretty much every game. So we've seen quite a bit of each other, and, and we're still friends, surprisingly. <laughs> Excellent. DJ, thanks, man. I All appreciate right. it. Thanks, Patrick. That's DJ LeMay, you all-star second baseman for the Colorado Rockies. Mm-hmm.